I'm Bryce, and I'm ready to preach. I'm Casey, and I am ready to preach. I'm Patty, and I'm ready to preach. I'm Mark, and I'm ready to preach. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity that you have given us. We ask that you bless everything that is said, everything that is done, God. We know that it is your good will that no man perish. We ask that everything that we said go to the edification and the lifting up of your people, God, the, the knowledge of your people, the, the betterment of your people, God. We ask that anything we say or do is done out of love, is done out of admiration, and is done out of your will, God, or done in your will, God. We thank you that you have given us an opportunity today like no other, and we ask that you cover it, that you guide it, and that you bless it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Welcome back, family. You have reached the Ready to Preach podcast. I'm so excited to be here with you guys. Um, I just want to go around the table and start how we should start, how we always start, and just kind of ask everyone what's going on, how they're doing, what's what's going on, what's new. Mark? Well, the biggest thing going on, I guess, was things that went on over the weekend. We got to have a lot of nice fellowship, at least Bryce and I did, because we were at a men's conference on Saturday, Yep, which was very good, and most times you didn't realize how long it was. Right. They did they did speak our love language. They did give us tacos for lunch. So <laughs> so that that there was that as well, but there's a lot of good messages and things like that. And then we had a singing Sunday night that Casey and I went to and then Saturday roll, night. Saturday night, yeah. Then rolled right into Sunday with a couple good services. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Patty? I had a good weekend. Um worked half day. And got to enjoy some family time. And then Sunday, we had great services, Sunday night, Sunday morning and Sunday night. Casey? It was a good weekend. Um, I went and got some solo shopping done Saturday morning, which was nice. Um, And then, like you said, Saturday night, we had the singing that we went to. That was fun. Good to be in fellowship. And services all day Sunday that were enjoyable. I know we had some pictures done Sunday, which was a lot of fun, but also very cold. It was cold. (laughs) Any of the outdoor ones anyway, yeah. Yeah. I don't know about if it's just me, but does anyone else feel uncomfortable when they're taking pictures? I hate having my picture taken. Stacy knows this. (laughs) So like for the longest time, she would never, whether it be Facebook or whatever, would not put my picture up. Or put a picture up if I was in it because she knows I hate having my picture taken. Which the funniest thing is, in high school, still hated having my picture taken. But every year, did more clubs and things. Every year, I was in the, in the yearbook more than the year before. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's too much to think about. Like, what is every part of my body doing? Also, what yeah. is my face doing? Am I raising my eyebrows? Am I smiling? Am I actually smiling? Or do I just think I'm smiling? Right? Am I sucking in? <laughs> is this leg bent funny? Is my hand in my pocket? Pretty sure you're the only one singing like that because I definitely didn't. Nope, I did. I did. Maybe I it's a girl it, thing. It's a girl thing. It's got to be. I didn't. Yeah. I just remembered when we did the picture inside and she was lining us up by the sign outside. I, when she said hands in pocket, immediately hand in pocket, thumb out, just like she gave the instructions inside <laughs> the church. I just carried them on over outside. It was just a little bit, a little chilly. <laughs> okay, enough with the pictures. Let's okay. talk about Saturday. Okay. Um, Mark and I, like he explained previously, we... Uh, Went to a men's conference, which, let me tell you, if you're in the Lawton, Michigan area, let's just put it this way. If you're in Berrien, Cass, or Van Buren County, it was well worth your drive as a man to go out and listen to what um, older men of God have to say to, more importantly, what the Bible has to say about how a man should act, how a man should react, how a man should carry himself, the duties, the jobs as a man, you know. 100%. 100%. It, was, it was quite the experience, Mark. It was it was good. I, I I got to play with my new toy while I was there. I I finally joined the iPad club, and so I was sitting there pretty much the entire time with it split screen. I had a notepad open on one. I had the Bible open on the other so I could follow along with where they were at and my volume of notes that surprised me that they weren't longer than they are because I spent so much time listening to some of the stuff. So I was like, wait a second, go back, go back. And I couldn't rewind it. So it's like, okay, I lost my train of thought on that, but I tried to get it. Do you have the basic like topics for each sermon? Oh, 
Just go. I was gonna say I notice. shared. I shared the note to you. Know I have the basic <laughs> for each one. Just rattle off the the five. I think there were six. Yeah. Maybe. Well, six when Brother Blackmore showed up at the end just to spend some time with us. Uh, so we started with Stevie Russell, and he was talking about being sensitive to the spirit. Then your uncle Mark Sailor cousin cousin. I don't know why I say uncle. Your uncle cousin. Your uncle cousin. <laughs> We're from the south. <laughs> Um, spoke about generational curses. Um, then we had Steve, and I'm hoping I'm saying this right because I'm likely to butcher it. Bermea. I found out his last name is on a thing for his cup. Yeah. Either Steve Bermea or Bermea, I think. Yeah. And I, I think it almost looked like it said Burmer in the, the yeah. thing on the table was in cursive and it was harder to read. He was on the authority of a believer. Then your dad preached on bringing up a child in the way that they should go. And then we had Martina Stevens talking about operating in the gifts. A lot of good one-liners, a lot of good future, I think, sermon titles or lesson titles amongst all of those as well. My favorite, well, I can't say it's my favorite one because all of them were good and all of them were equally important and relevant to me in my life as a, you know, first of all, being as a child of God, but also being a man of God and being a young man at this point, you know, um, I really love the one about generational curses. That one stuck out to me and about raising a child in the way she, way you should go, you know, cause I'm, I want to be a father at some point in time. And then, and then operating in the gifts, that one was a good one for me too. That was all. They were all good. They were all good, but those three basically personally stuck out to me. I think the ones that stuck out most to me were the generational curses, like you were saying. Which, if you want to uh, look at a good example of generational curses, go back and read about King Saul and who he didn't kill that he was supposed to kill, and then go into Esther and read about a couple other people, about Esther and her cousin, not her uncle, her cousin. Right. Um, and they were dealing with the problems that were left hanging around because someone years and years before, I think it was, it was like 500 years was the time frame, Yeah. still dealing with the same things because great-great-great-great-grandpa couldn't uh, get rid of it himself. Right. And then... Steve Romeo, the authority one, I liked as well. And then definitely I would agree with you down there with the operating and the gifts was very put forth very interestingly. Yeah, it it came about in a way, you know, a lot of the times we think of operating in the gifts, and you two ladies can jump in whenever you feel necessary, but operating in the gifts, we think of spiritual gifts as speaking in tongues and healing and prophesying and then, you know, and and falling out and stuff like that. But he said you might have a spiritual gift on you that's just being nice to somebody, you know. Her um, nana. Yep. Just being nice and 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 having authority in a way to where you can speak clearly to thing clearly to people, you know, um, have an understanding spirit about you, you know. He said all these things. God has created us. That was one of the first verses he put out there. God has created us as a peculiar peculiar people, you know, that we are unique. And we are different than everybody else. And he did it on purpose so that we can help everyone around us. Yeah, I think like the thing I took from that most was I, I finished it in here is if you ask God what he wants for you, he'll reveal it to you because he created you to do that anyway. I think that's a big thing that people struggle with generally is, like you said, they have these ideas, these preconceived notions of what a spiritual gift looks like. When in reality, instead of trying to base how you're moving forward and how you're acting and what it means to be, you know, spiritually strong or however you want to say it on what you see other people doing or what you've perceived based on experience, you really should be looking inward, you know, praying, God, reveal to me what you'd have me to do, not what, you know, say Bryce is doing. I need to know what's best for me and use my strengths that I have or let God use the strengths that I have to move forward. And one of the things that he was saying that really stuck with me, and I can see it personally in evidence in my life, you know, he was saying that um, if you can, if you run away from what you know God has has given you, and you know the talents and gifts that He has bestowed upon you, I guess you would say, um, he said, nothing you'll do will prosper. Yep. He said, until you do what God has you to do, 
you will not prosper. You're stuck. Everything that you try to do on your own won't work. You can't drink enough. You can't take enough pills. You can't die, he said, because he's got a plan and a purpose. And uh, just like Jonah said, he took a three-day staycation is what he's yeah. saying. <laughs> three-day staycation at in a, a, in a water, a uh, water B&B instead of an Airbnb. Right, right. <laughs> he said he's going to get what he wants out of you. And and you can run and you can try to harm that 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 will that God has for you, but it would be in your best interest to just say, "What would you have me to do, Lord? What would you want me to do? Who do I need to talk to? Who do I need to see? Who do I need to pray for?" You know, and a lot of that has gone along with as well when you talked about you know you can't drink enough, you can't do enough drugs, you can't do enough bad things. When He's got a, a plan for you, nothing you can do can take that plan away. Right. So, you know, just because you run for 20 years, he's still got the same plan for you. Just stop fighting and stop running. It's still going to be there. He's not going to change his mind. Right. I feel like somebody preached it once. I don't remember who it was. But, you know, when you're in the car and you've got your GPS going, you're going to a destination. It was Patty. She's raising her hand. I did one of those, too. Okay, well. We've great been... minds think alike, Patty. <laughs> they are so great. Um, <laughs> you know, but you make a wrong turn or you don't get off the right exit of the highway. It's not like your destination ever changed. It's just a different path that you're going to take to get there now. That's exactly how he explained yes. it. Yeah, that rerouting there. <laughs> he said, in it, he said, what you're trying to do may not totally be a part of God's plan, but he'll hit that reroute button as many times mm-hmm. as he needs yeah. to. Mm-hmm. He'll make you turn left until you're going to turn the right that he wanted you in the first place. Right. Right. He said, left turn, left turn, left turn. Oh, now we've made a right. Finally, the right that I wanted you to make. It was just it so awesome. Good. It was an awesome experience. I think the ladies need to have it. I, I was about so to say, yes. three lefts make a right. Yeah. I, I was trying to figure it out on the table, but it made sense. <laughs> Casey's over here doing left, left, left. Look, I'm directionally challenged. By that challenged. third left, you're, t- you're technically going right. <laughs> One right. time when I first got my license, I was in the car with a friend at a stoplight in Coloma by McDonald's, if anybody knows where that is. Yep. And I'm sitting here trying to turn, and I go, hey, you can turn right on red, right? And he goes, well, yeah. I full pulled out and turned left, and neither of us noticed until we got out of the car. <laughs> <laughs> Your Aunt Stacy did that to me one day because I've I've learned over the years to maybe not necessarily ask her specifically for directions. <laughs> we were dating somewhere and we were and we were going to I thought South Haven Walmart. So she's giving me directions. I'm like, okay, where she's like, oh, just turn here. I'm like, okay. And then she doesn't say anything else because she she it was a way she knew to get to Benton Harbor. And I didn't know that. <laughs> and we ended up there. Like, how do we get here? It's like, well, that's where we're going. You know, it's like, no, you said we were going to South Haven. Look, she just knew the plan better than you did. No, well, right. the plan was still South Haven, but she thought since I was asking where I turned that I wanted to go to Benton Harbor. I was like, no, I wanted to go to South Haven. <laughs> well, that's just like, just like God in, in essence, you know, sometimes we get in there and we get on cruise control going and we're like, where am I? But then you look around and you see... God moving in every situation, taking you to where you really should have been going, even though you wanted to go to South Haven Walmart. You're in Walmart parking lot in Benton Harbor. Yeah. I I found a couple, like, really good points from all these guys. Yeah. Like, one that kind of felt was best from Stevie is that God's plan is counter to our nature. It normally is. Oh, yeah. And then I already did the... Sometimes it's counter to your strong suits, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he obviously created you and created you strong, but he also wanted to leave room for his work and his... Exactly. Effort, you know? I already did the one for your uh, for, your, for your cousin, Mark. I almost called him uncle again. That if we don't deal with Agag, our children and their children will have to deal with Haman. That's right. Yep. Uh, and Bermea, he had a lot. I mean, there was a lot of things. It's like I was like... As I was typing in, I was like, sermon title, sermon title. (laughs) And there was one that is, let me find it here. Oh, the, you know, we we all know the verse, many are called, but few are chosen. Yeah. Yeah. The only difference between called and chosen is a yes. That's true. Mm-hmm. It's like whenever a teacher calls on a group of people for a question, the ones that raise their hands are the ones who get called on mm-hmm. are the ones chosen that say yes. to answer. Oh. 
<laughs> Good point, Casey. It's so much funnier if you can see my hand motions when I'm talking. Yes. <laughs> no, Lenny, if you're listening, that is not permission to put a camera in here just yet. No. You don't want to see my face motions when I'm talking sometimes. We're not saying Tourette's, but pretty close. Ooh. Next. <laughs> Sorry, Casey. Can't even take a drink of your Diet Coke around here. <laughs> um, cu- there were a couple from your dad, but I think the the biggest one I found on there was you're never too old to stop planting and start stop planting bad and start planting good. Right, because that was one of his main one of his main verses is. Uh, what's our whatsoever man sows that so that shall he also reap? Yeah, you know. So don't be surprised if you sow a lot of bad things and you get bad things. But no matter, as long as you're still breathing, you can switch the package of seeds and plant something different. Just plant some good. And and I got I got a <laughs> Martinez Stevens was the same way where it's like every single one is like okay I'm going to use that somehow. I didn't ask permission. I'm just going to do it anyway when I want to. But one of them was when we were talking about operating in the gifts. Yeah. And we always hear about one of them I wrote here, but that's not the one I'm going for is a, a favor ain't fair. Yeah. But where I took from that is when you have a gift from God, God provides the favor. Just like with Joseph and what he was talking about, he had that gift of increase, and then when, no matter where they put him, even when he got put in the jail, the jailer made him the head of the jail. Of the jail, yeah. Even though he's in one of the cells, nothing happened in the jail that didn't go Joseph, Joseph didn't approve first. Right. You would have to listen to that one. He, he brought that in such an amazing way that I never read. He read into it and got... Not got what he wanted out of it, but got what I believe is truly supposed to be spoken out of it. Yeah. It was quite amazing, actually. It kind of blew my mind. It was. was It was so good. And it was like even back in Potiphar's house, Joseph was a slave. But nothing got done in Potiphar's house unless Joseph okayed it. And it even goes as far to say in the Bible that the only thing that Potiphar knew about that was in his house was the bread that he had to eat day by day. Yeah. He didn't worry about anything else. Joseph was the one who took took care of every single thing else. And he was rich to start with. Right. But then he went he went from rich to he went to stupid rich. Stupid rich, right. <laughs> Potiphar, that is. Yeah. Potiphar. Potiphar went from being maybe, you know, owning a couple little grocery stores to now he owns Walmart, the entire company, not just a couple stores. <laughs> right. So, Patty, what I really gathered from that whole conversation is we're going to need to get a woman's conference together here soon. Definitely. I think it's necessary. Absolutely. 100%. I mean, it, it was a good thing for us. I guarantee you, with God be no respected persons, it'd be a good thing for you ladies as well. Well, I, I know love it. it's got to be nice having so many different churches and, you know, people that we love to spend time with and fellowship with come together and hear different perspectives, different life stories, things like that. Unfortunately, I think that's something today that the church is really missing. Yes, it is. I think it, I think it's definitely missing. And one more important thing that that has done is, is brought so many great minds together that read the Bible and understand and God uses people differently, you know, and and different perspectives, different lifestyles, different backgrounds help bring forth a different message, I think, than, you know, that every Sunday from the same or similar pastors, you know, throughout the throughout the months or whatever. It's refreshing to have new style, new perspective on yeah. it. It's it's really refreshing. But back to what Casey was saying about the churches not being able to gather and I think a lot of it has to do with you know, some sort of guidelines or standards that religion has put on it and man has put on it. And that brings us perfectly to what our topic is today. Um, We want to kind of go through and explain what religion is and explain what we believe that are what we do believe in, you know? Yeah. We believe more in a relationship with Jesus Christ in a full gospel um, picture of the Bible. We want to use every single you know, we study line by line, precept by precept. We want to use every single thing, <clears throat> excuse me, every single thing that is necessary in the Bible. We think it was put there for a reason. We believe that wholeheartedly. And I think we've 
as as men taken denominations and placed them in and has created boundaries and guidelines to where we can't talk with these people because they're this. And let's just be real here. We're all God's chosen people. That's right. We're all mm-hmm. children of God. And we all need to we need each other. Yeah, I think honestly the first question when you meet somebody at a gathering like that should never be what kind of church do you go to? I hate that question. Yeah. I think it's one of the dumbest questions in the world. They say there's no dumb questions except for ones you don't ask. I'm going to amend that. No, that is a dumb question. I think it's fair to ask. I genuinely do because, you know, not saying that there's anybody doing it wrong, but everybody has their own preferences and that's okay. It is what it is. But I think it's one of the most difficult questions to answer, one of the most uncomfortable questions to answer, just because no matter what you say, somebody has an idea of what that means, regardless if they actually know you. I think it's a fine question to ask as long as it doesn't change the way or give you a predetermined outcome of how you think about somebody, Absolutely. you know, because you never truly know somebody or truly know what they go through or not necessarily go through or know how they act until you see it in person. And I've been, you know, at fault for this many times, you know, I've seen somebody, seen how they look, see how they dress, if, you know, if they have tattoos or not, or they wear these boots or if they do this or they do that, cut their hair a, a certain way, grow a long black beard, you know, you kind of just prejudge them. And I know yeah. it's not, I know it's definitely that's not, not very right. Christian yeah. like of us either. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think, I guess that's more the intent behind the questions, what makes it dumb. I was, someone sent me this and I was reading the little story they had of it. There was this kid, a teenager, he was new to the area and he went to visit a church. And having not been raised in church, didn't know a lot of what to do or what to expect. And he walks in with like a baggy shirt, jeans, and he's barefoot. And as he's walking in, he's passing these people. He's passing the deacons, the elders, longstanding members. And they're all just like looking like, what are we going to do with this kid? And no one wants to move. No one wants to say anything. And then he gets all the way to the front. And he just kneels down and he just starts worshiping. And the pastor's here watching this the whole time. It's like, what am I doing with this? Right. What do we we gotta take care of, we gotta remove this, is what was his um, his mentality he started with. Yeah. Well, then finally one of the elders of the church got up and he's like, Okay, good. He's gonna take care of it, he's gonna get rid of this kid, and we can go back to what we were doing. Well, the elder gets up to the church or gets up to where this young man is at. And he just kneels down, starts starts worshiping, worshiping with him, with him the same right. way. And you know, pastor just watches this for a second, and then he just takes a moment and speaks up, says, "You know, when I get done preaching, you guys aren't going to remember a word I said, but you're not going to forget that." That's right. That's right. And I think we could all learn from that sort of, <clears throat> from that from that story you told us there. We kind of decide who somebody is, or what they believe based on what everyone else or the guidelines that someone else has laid out instead of just being there and being involved and looking. If you get in something and you don't necessarily like the way it's done or it's not biblical, that's different. Right. I would say leave. Yeah. That's totally different. But if someone, if someone is doing something that is inside what the Bible says is good, and they're doing it, and they might just be dressed differently, or they look different. Um, I have no problems with that. Yeah, you know, not everybody's cool enough to wear a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> you know, some of us are just too cool too. <laughs> some of us are too cool for that. Well, there's but, that. There's, there's both kidding. sides to it. Well, here, here's one thing that I wanted to wanted to do has been a thought in my mind with this topic: um, religion. Let's talk about what religion does to people. Okay. Do we want to start with a definition? I found a couple of definitions yeah, go ahead. of it. That, I think that would be fitting. So if we're going to be talking about the difference between religion, which is what most people go into, or as we like to say, a relationship instead, um, looking up some of the definitions for it, religion is defined as the beliefs in God or a group of gods, an organized system of belief, ceremonies, and rules. There's that word for you, rules. Right. Used to worship God or a group of gods. And as an interest, a belief, or an activity that is very important to a person or group. So, like, you know, sports or different things you do could be your religion. That could be what you do. That still fits it the same way. But it wasn't always that way. I found an older one. It's 
I don't know if it's exactly that date or just said in 1200, it was a state of life bound by monastic vows, also an action or conduct indicating a belief in a divine power and reverence for and desire to please it as well as respect for what is sacred, reverence for the gods, conscientiousness, sense of right, moral obligations, fear of gods, divine service, religious observance, a religion, faith, a mode of worship, uh, sanctity, holiness. I think that that definition right there is more along what I would like to follow. Yeah. Say what it really sounds like to me is we've done what man often does and take something what it's supposed to be and twist it and contort it. Yeah. Yeah. Into something that we think it should be. And I saw and they pointed out that it's when you tend to be more concerned with the things that are done than why the things are done. Right. I mean, we got perfect examples. You'll read any any mention of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, that was them. Right. It was done doing it a certain way. It was always done a certain way. Moses said, We do it this way. I'm honestly, I think if Moses was around those later Pharisees and Sadducees, he wouldn't have recognized anything they were doing. Patty, what is one thing that you think religion does to people, to a group of people? Just what do you think religion does? Obviously, there's some sort of a good aspect of it. You know, there's, yeah. I think there's good intent behind it. The heart of it is good. But then you start getting into some of the off, offset things that are rules and regulations and stuff. What do you think religion does to people? Well, religion can do two things. It can help you to have a ritual. Right. But then that ritual actually hurts you in the long run because you're focusing, like Mark said, on that ritual and how you do it instead of who you're doing it for. Right. So religious thoughts and precepts are scary to some. Yeah. And they push people away rather than bring them closer to Christ. That's one thing we're trying to abolish in our church is the rules and the regulations of what is should be done, what has to be done in order for it to be a church service. There's no exact thing that has to be done. Something I just thought of that I think would be kind of a neat way to avoid getting into that routine. You know, there's certain things that we we know we should do and we believe we should do, you know, the baptisms, communion, and different things like that. I think in, in my weird mind, a way to kind of avoid always being in a set routine and it's like, well, we do this on this Sunday of the month because we always do it on this Sunday of the month. Get like a wheel or something. Mark each one. Spin it. Like what Riley does with the flowers and things like that. Yeah. When you do that one for the month, mark it off. Not worrying about it. Yeah. And it doesn't mean it's going to be the same way the next month. It may be the last thing of the month that we do. Right. Well, that's what I like about it. our church. We have a different service every week. Right, you exactly. You don't know which way the Lord's going to direct you. Right, Sunday morning. We might, we might have praise and worship for the whole uh, Sunday morning. Exactly what we did we this Sunday. We might have all preaching for Sunday night. You know, we don't know how the Spirit's going to move. Right, but that's the thing that re- – I one thing that I noticed that was bad about religion is religion takes you – takes the Holy Spirit out of it. There's exactly. no guessing exactly. what's going to happen, you know. And it's not that the Holy Spirit makes you guess, but the Holy Spirit wants to guide and lead and direct you in the yes. way that He wants things to go because it's to the glory and the edification of the Father, that which is in exactly. heaven. So if you take out any place for the Holy Spirit to work, I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit can't work on a, on a routine or a schedule, but there's a lot less room for Him. He takes yeah. out, we take out with religion and some sort of a schedule, we take out the ability for the Holy Spirit to move like he's supposed to. I feel like a lot of the times, you know, speaking about religion in the context that we are, we take the entire purpose of it out of it, you know? It's about what we want, what we think, how we feel about people, what we believe should happen in a church service. And going on what you were asking, to me, a lot of times— Religion tells you every way that you can't make it, that you're not going to make it. It picks apart every flaw that you have, whether it be with your service or personally, and it puts it right there in front of you, and there's absolutely no way that you can resolve that. That's one thing that I notice about rules and people who make rules. There's a set of rules for for you to follow, and then there's a set of rules for the people who make the rules. You know, they're two different, totally different sets. 
uh, do what I do as I say, not as I do type mm-hmm. situation. Right. And I'm just not into that. Yeah. No. And, and you know, what's the biggest thing that happens when you live more by, we have to do it this way. What are rules and what the laws do? Look, they make people want to break them. Say, so whenever you tell me I have to do something, it makes me want to do it even less. Absolutely. One of the things I noticed that the Holy Spirit, or not the Holy Spirit, my bad, that religion does is take you out of a place where you can truly worship. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it puts you into some sort of a preset, you know, um, three songs on Sunday. Uh, three songs, sermon, Sunday school, go home at noon, exactly on the dot, you know. And I've been a part of services like that, you know, to where it was a routine. And like Patty said earlier, it's a ritual. I feel like if you – religion takes the takes the true worship aspect out of it. Right. Religion makes it something that is coerced or forced to where it's not real to me. I don't think you can truly worship in religion. No, I don't think so either. And the next thing that I was thinking about what what religion does is take you completely out of a true relationship. Yeah. Cuz mm-hmm. that's kind of what we're talking about. We're talking about a religion as I want I don't even want to say that Christianity is a religion because I think it should be a relationship. Right. Right. I feel like Christianity is Christianity is a relationship with uh Jesus Christ. And religion is something that man made out of that. Yeah. We always refer to it as our walk. And that's a walk is not an organized thing. A walk is just maybe this week you only go a mile or so. You know, it's not regimented. But then we get too used to a habit if we always follow like the same path or always like one thing I, when I lived in Harvard, I was running there, I had probably five or six at least different paths and different distances, just whatever I wanted to go. And then I'd be running, and it's like, okay, randomly pick which direction I'm going. And when I went from there, I know where I was going from there, but I didn't always run the same thing every time. Right. It starts, It kind of sort of gets monotonous in it, yeah. you know, to where is it even worth Is it even worth doing? The boys learned that, that the hard way we were biking one day. They wanted me to take them for a bike ride. So, okay. We got down to the stop sign just out in the country past our house, and it was about half a mile. And knowing where all the roads go, I was like, okay, do you want to go left or right, or do you want to go home? Oh, let's go right. Okay. We get around a couple of curves, and we get up over the bridge. Like, okay, turn around and go home or go right. Oh, let's keep going. And they didn't realize that by the time we got back to the house, we'd, went, we'd bike like seven or eight miles <laughs> just because they kept telling me, just no, let's just keep going. Thanks for the story, Mark. Um, just to go along with that, we've had this new transition in our church personally to where we don't like taking the Bible and using the word stories as it, you know, because it kind of devalue or devalues what the Bible actually is. It kind of puts it into some sort of a category, you know. Yeah. Just like with religion, it puts everything into labels. Right, right. And like you were saying at the beginning, we have taken religion and redefined what it means according to from 12 what feels good right now right like 1200 or whatever yeah no that's one thing that we need to start working on and we have been at our church working on what we say you know cuz our words hold power they do um the bible says that you'll give an account for every idle word that is spoken uh the power of life and death or the power of death and life my bad is in, in the, the tongue. tongue you know and uh, your tongue is the most unruly member. These words that we're saying have value, guys, and we need to understand that. 100%. And it's just like my whole take on it is when you look at what a story is, it's usually something that's made up. Right. It's something that, or even if it, we call it a story and it's not made up, everything else that people consider as a story is made up. So then if you're calling this a story, like you're saying it's the story of Paul or the story of uh, Peter and the other apostles. Right. You're lumping it in with everything else everyone considers a story. A story. And I don't think think we are decrediting what the Gospels are and what these accounts of these holy men and what God has done for these men were— we're decrediting it and by adding it to this category. And we're, I think there's a display in the arc, if I'm not mistaken, you know, that says that 
we don't want these children's books out yeah. here for the kids because it's not it, like that. It makes it like a fairy tale in Noah's Ark and the Bible and every other story, sorry, every other account in the Bible is not a fairy tale. That's right. And and religion wants to kind of not make you believe that, but it it puts you it puts adapted you, it. Right. It's adapted that adapted and, and adopted. It's it's taken the same thing everyone else is saying. But that goes back like with last week with the standing out or no, was it two weeks ago, the standing out versus fitting in. Yeah. You know, if everyone else is calling their thing their story and we're doing it, what is making us any different from them? I think that, you know, labeling something as a story kind of gives it a degree of removal. You know, you go and watch a movie with a good story, a good message behind it. You don't walk out thinking that you have to live like that movie. Right. Whenever you're taking, you know, a historical account where this happened, this is what happened as a consequence of this. You know, you take these things, you call it a story, and all of a sudden it's easier to remove yourself from it. Whereas an account is based evidence showing, you know, action, results. And if you don't like the result, you want to remove yourself so you can continue to do the action. Right. And and like like Mark has explained to us, we have sort of, not we, but a religion has sort of adapted or adopted this mentality to where it's a story, you know, you can do what you kind of want to um, as long as you do these three steps, say your prayers and confess that you're wrong, you know. That's not how it works. Um, here at this church specifically, I can't speak for any other, but... Here at this church, with this relationship we have gained with Jesus Christ, we believe that um, the Bible is the unadulterated Word of God. 100%. Yeah. It has to be. Um, and we we look at it, and we know there's verses that say if you add to it, uh, plagues will be added to you. And if you take from it, your name will be taken away um, from the Book of Life. Absolutely. And once we get we you get to that and you hear that and you're like, I don't want to add a thing and I don't want to take away a thing because I don't want plagues and I love having my name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's right. And you look at it, history-wise, there's been, like specifically with the King James Version, there's been very, very little change since it was first written. And even when they find these other scrolls like in these remote parts of the desert, it may only have a couple pages, but if you were to write it out and translate it to English, you wouldn't be able to tell me if you wrote, gave me this page here that came from those scrolls and this page that came from the Bible that was a King James Version. I couldn't tell you which came from when. Right. The difference, because there's the only changes that have happened is like pronunciation and how words are written. Or, or adding actual chapters and verses, because like in their original scrolls, there was no spaces. Right. There was no right. punctuations. There was no chapter 2, verse 10. That stuff didn't exist. Right. But with their language and how they they know when they read it, they know. Where one started, where one stopped. Exactly. That's one thing that I want to go around the table and just think of some accounts um, where religion was completely wrong and the relationship is 100% right. And the first one that comes to my mind where religion is wrong um, is the story of a woman caught in the act of adultery. Religion. Use that, that word again. Sorry. In that account. <laughs> I know. I'm working on it. Seriously. I know. I know. I, this, is, this is all in good fun when, we, when we're like poking at each other. It's not like... <laughs> I'm not sitting here giving him the stink eye or anything like that for you. We all secretly hate each other, and this is just an act. (laughs) (laughs) No, but the first account that comes to my mind is the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. Um, Religion was having her out front, you know. They knew the words. They knew the law. They knew the law. They knew what should be done to someone in this state. Um, And religion would have thrown the stones and killed her, but relationships still stood between her and those men. Uh, Relationships said, uh, where are your accusers? Relationships said the first one who cast the, or who has not done the same sin, cast their first stone. Relationships says, go your way and sin no more. That's what, that's one of the first ones that I think of when I start thinking of the difference between religion and relationship. She'd have been dead if it was according to religion. You know, and according to their laws, she should have been killed. But when the relationship with Jesus Christ comes out, change has to happen. Mark, one of 
biggest ones that stands in my mind. But before I do that, I want to put in, since we're talking about relationship as the way we believe w- word and believe things, we've already given a definition for what a religion says. Relationship is defined as the way in which two or more people, groups, countries, etc., talk to, behave toward, and deal with each other. The way in which two or more people or things are connected, yeah, or a romantic friendship between two people. It's there's nothing in there mentioning about set rules or set ways to do things or a guideline. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing that says, okay, I'm going to behave this way towards you because you're this. I'm going to behave this way towards you because you're that. Right. It takes that all the way out of it. But the one that pops to my mind first is a gentleman that's only in the Bible three times, and he's in the book of John, Nicodemus. Yep. And you can see a transition from religion to relationship. To relationship. Right. He's a member of the Sanhedrin. He's high-ranking. He's the upper crust. He knows what the and he knows word says. What the word says. We see him in one of the times that where Jesus is questioned. Yep. He's also mentioned as the one that comes to Jesus asking, what must he do to be, how can a man be born again? Yeah. And then we see the end result of that encounter afterwards. We all, they all talk about, well, yeah, when, when Jesus was crucified, um, Joseph took his body. We'll leave out the fact that Nicodemus was there to help him take the body down as well. With him, right. Joseph, Arimathea, and Nicodemus were there. Yeah. And we see a complete change from where he was starting with following the religion that he helped run. Right. And helped on the ruling council. Right. Then he had an encounter. Then he had a relationship. Right. I think that's the difference between religion and a relationship is one encounter. One encounter. Patty? One encounter brings to my mind um, the story of Esther. Yeah. Where she went before the king, her husband, and asked for him for him and Haman to come to dinner so she could talk about setting her people free. Right. And I think that religion was bound in that in that account because they didn't believe the way she believed. Right. They thought they were right in their religion. Right. But she was right in her religion. Well, just going along with that story, my mind says that religion would have said, "Well, I am a Jew, this is Esther speaking, I am a Jew, but as long as I don't identify it, I don't have to get punished like one. Right. But her relationship... Her relationship, yes. That's what I meant to say instead of religion the second time. Well, her... (laughs) No, you you hit the nail on the head, Patty. Her relationship said, if you're going to kill my people, you got to kill me. Right. You know? And here's the other thing about that. There's another part of religion in that as well, with having rules and certain ways to do it. Most of the time when she went to go and visit the king... She wasn't invited. She She wasn't approved. She just went. And the religion said if he didn't raise his staff, even she could be put to death. Right. So because of their relationship, (laughs) he ignored the way that his counselors all would have said, this is what you do. It's like, how dare you let her just come in here without being asked for? Yep. Yep. But he he bucked the system and he raised the staff and we had... He didn't buck Much better the, things. He didn't buck the system because of the the rules. He bucked the system because of, of the, the relationship. relationship. Right, Casey. Who who comes to your mind, or did we steal them? No, you didn't steal them. <laughs> okay, good. I've got unique enough thoughts. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I think for me, you know, the one time that relationship and religion came into direct conflict with one another, for my thoughts, is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Honestly. You know, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, they had all already made up their mind of exactly what the Messiah was going to look like. Right. They knew exactly how he was going to behave, exactly what he was going to do. How they he's had to arrive. Yeah, how he's going to arrive. They had their rules set out and they were not willing to bend them, even when, you know, the man himself was standing right in front of them. And, you know, not to say, obviously it was a bad thing that happened for Jesus, but it was a great thing that happened for us. And that's an unfortunate thing to say, because now we can have a relationship. That's right. But I think whenever, you know, you talked about Nicodemus a little bit, whenever religion and relationship come in direct confrontation and conflict with each other, it's going to go one of two ways. Right. You're either going to learn to set aside what you thought that you knew and step into what is the truth, or you're going to miss out on what 
is the best thing that could ever happen to you. We can look at another person that has probably the most religious person in the Bible. Mm -hmm. The smart, I would say next to Jesus, the smartest person in the Bible. Because I, I will say this and I will die on this hill that Solomon was not the wisest person to ever live because oh, he had between girlfriends and wives, there were a thousand. That's not a very bright man. I'm sorry. <laughs> he's not very intelligent. He's not up there in my rankings for wise people. But I'm talking about Paul. Yep. You know, he was very religious. Right. He had authority. And he used the scriptures as a weapon to punish the Christians. Yep. But his religion had an encounter and turned into a relationship. Amen. Right. That's good, yeah. My thought is, it was going right along with what Casey was saying. I was almost mad for what she said, but <laughs> you, stole, you stole his it idea instead of the other way around. That's the greatest example, and I think that's where religion flipped, and we got the ability to have the relationship. Exactly. It is. It says, uh, you can now come directly and boldly to the throne room of grace because I go to my father. And what I thought is a couple of things that religion and what religion says and a couple of things that relationship says. Religion said, crucify him. Relationship said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Yeah. Uh, religion wanted to hang him on the tree and 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 put him, but relations, relationship said, God, if it be not your will, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, God, not my will, but your will be done. Um, and I think there was a point, too, where he said, on the cross, Jesus, this is speaking, relationship said, it is finished. Amen. You don't have to go by the religion anymore. Uh, the Bible says that he takes no pleasure in the sacrifice of doves and the sacrifice of lambs, but he has all of the pleasure in the sacrifice of his son. It's finished. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have religion anymore. You don't have to deal with the, the rules and the regulations. You finally get to have a personal and close relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's the thing, to be honest, The I guess for me the main reason for all the laws in the Old Testament, Ten Commandments, things like that, were to help the people get to God before Jesus came. Right. Because even no matter how hard they tried, they couldn't they couldn't obey every single one. Even when it got simplified all the way down to two, he they couldn't keep every single commandment. So knowing that, and I, that's why I, my only problem with what you said is I don't think it was a bad thing for Jesus. I think that was a good thing because he knew what he had, to what do. he was doing, and what it was going to bring. Right, and that he went gladly, right, willingly, willingly. Yes. Well, he knew the oh yeah for yes. us, and I think that's one of our biggest problems. Like you're saying, going all the way back to the beginning. God gives you a set way of doing things, and we decide that we need more. Oh, we yeah. Needed, we needed not 10 laws. We needed 613, yeah. 613 laws. Um, men have this idea that they can perfect something or add to it to make it better or grow it. But when God says something should be done a certain way, that's the way it has to be done for it to work and work properly. We have this idea of... Um, making it better or make it sound smarter, sound better and look better and to beautify the process. But when God makes it simple, that's the, the best way, the best way to keep it. That I agree. thought brings me back to the garden and the tree of good and evil, the tree of knowledge. Right. Um, you know, simple. religion says that I want to be like God. It says, I'm going to eat this apple, and I'm going to be perfect, when in reality, all the relationship ever wanted was just to walk with us. Yeah. You know, whether or not you stumbled, whether or not you stubbed your toe in a rock and had to take a second, it just wanted to be in relationship. And I like pointing out, because when you look at that, when you go back to the garden, you had this tree, it was beautiful. The fruit on it to eat was beautiful, because... No matter, I don't think no matter how clever the devil was, if it didn't look appealing, Eve wouldn't have fell for it. Right, right. And she would also would not have then made mention of it to her husband. Because if it was something bad, she's not going to say, "Hey, eat this too." She's right. not going to point out that she did something. It's like, well, this is there's not this is right. stay away from there. Right. But 
that beautiful tree, and I've said this before, brought death. Right. And then that ugly tree, right, the cross, brought life. Right. Good one. Exact opposite of, you know, if if you're judging just by man's perception and looks, yep. That the tree of the knowledge of good and evil should have only been able to bring good things. Right. Mm-hmm. And nothing should have been good to come off of the other. I mean, it even says, you know, cursed is the man that hangs on the tree. So we've going into it, knowing that they were, I would say, it was also leading to them being unwilling to believe that that would be any part of any divine plan because right. he obviously can't be the that Messiah, good right. if he's being hung on a tree. Right. And that's uh, that's like just like I was saying before, religion has all these things to say, but relationship just come come as you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come as you are, you can be set free like blind Bartimaeus. Yep. Um, he said, uh, oh, son of David, come heal me. I can't remember. Have, exactly. have mercy on have me. Have mercy. There we go. Have mercy on me. And the other, the guys around him saying, hold your peace. Why are you, what are you saying? Why are you doing? That's Jesus walking by. And he said it again louder. I'm gonna, that's probably why he's like, yeah, I know. Exactly. I, he can't hear me over you. I'm going to yell louder now. Right. And Jesus healed him, set him on his way. And he could put down what the world defined him as. You know, he wore the cloak that said, I'm blind or yeah. I'm I'm unclean or I'm unholy. He could finally put that down, what religion has put on him. And he picked up what relationship has for him. It's beautiful. Yes. Same way with when he healed the, I think it was a blind man again at the pool of Bethesda. He healed him there. And then the Pharisees and the Sadducees Sad. wanted to... To pick it, or wanted to pick him apart because of healing on the Sabbath. He said, "You can't even heal somebody on the Lord's day now. I mean, there's so many rules that you can't even do good on the on the Lord's day. What are we talking about here?" Yeah, that's why I like. Well, like I like how the way I like to view it is that after Paul had that encounter, he wasn't ready to go talk to Peter and the apostles yet, right? He wanted to go and look himself. Now he knew See, the knew. spirit of what the law said. He could go back, and I guarantee you, he's sitting there reading. Because I know he had it memorized, but I guarantee you he wanted to see it. Right. So he had him has went to a temple somewhere, had a scroll, and to see all these things when it talks about the anointed, when it talks about the righteous branch. I'd like to imagine that he's sitting there like, yep, there's Jesus right there, further down the scroll. Jesus? Oh, there's Jesus right there. Right. And then by the time that he could wrap his mind around what he already knew and the parts that he missed, then it was time to go. And he had his discussions with Peter and the apostles because he wanted to make sure right. that that was right, that he wasn't just jumping to conclusions. He's like, I had this encounter with Jesus. I studied. This is, it was right. I was wrong the whole time. Right. Am I missing something? Am I still saying something? Is there any part of my old religion that's changing what I should be seeing? I think it's fair enough to say that he's seen in a new light. Yeah. You know, the great light shined round about him and knocked him off his beast, and now he was blind, but he finally could see what he was meant for, you know, this whole entire time and how wrong he was. And I think that's an an important thing to understand, too, as someone who is transitioning from being someone who is religious to someone who is in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Understand that there are some things that you are wrong on, will be wrong on, and you might still be wrong on. You need to go and examine everything that's in you, everything that you've talked about, everything that you've said you know, in the past, everything that you preached or teached about, and examine it with the Word of God and with the Holy Spirit as guidance for you to make sure that you aren't shaming somebody into yeah because you can shame someone out of being a christian in two seconds yes religion has killed so many people Mm -hmm. has stopped so many good things from happening for people that it's not even funny we couldn't count them if we had you know hours and days and weeks and months to to count all the bad things that religion has done to people in the thought in the theory that they were doing something good i remember i was watching the video and it was teaching on someone was teaching on the apostles. Right. And it said his thought on it was even though they didn't have their eyes covered like Paul did, that the apostles were blind as well. 
Right. Because as you read through their encounters and the things they say and they do as it progresses from the first ones called to the cross, they start to get more and more certain of who Jesus was. Like early on, it's like they were only thinking of him as a good teacher, as a, a wise man. But then as they start seeing more and more things, they start getting more things shed light on. It's like, no, this is, he's more than this. And it just took them until the very end to really get the last, the last scales off. Right. Here's one thing that I can tell somebody who is beginning their walk with Christ. um, And even someone who has been religious for their whole life and now has decided to want to change and have a true relationship with Jesus Christ, you will constantly be learning new things. You will oh, constantly be, re- Every day. be re- being revealed new things to you that mm-hmm. will change the light in what you used to see and how you used to think was right. Because just like you were saying with Paul, he thought he was doing God's service yeah. by killing Christians and killing... Blasphemers, uh, as he was saying. Right, the message of Jesus Christ. But he had to have an extreme example. Obviously, some of us don't have to have such extreme measures taken on us, but thank God. Yeah. Um, Luckily, if we want to, we can just read the account of someone that had the, the extreme <laughs> right. encounter and hopefully instead of having to experience it ourselves. Learn. Um, and here's one thing that I would tell somebody who is in the position where they're changing. Read read the full scripture. Read it in context. Don't use it to combat somebody. Obviously, the scripture is for purification and for edification, it's to lift people up, not to bring them down. If you're going to use the scripture to tear somebody down, you probably need to go repent. Yeah. Not probably, you do. Yeah. Um, there's been times in my life where I'm like, man, did I just say that? You know what I mean? Did I just do that knowing all well that that was not right? That is not going to help them in any way grow their walk with Christ, move forward in their in their walk. That's you an know? instance where you got to get the pluck out of your eye before you get, get the Yep. Right. Like others. Yes. I had to I had to go and repent and say, Jesus, anything unlike me or unlike you, take it out of me. Anything, any thought, any theory that I've had, any idea, you know, I'm just I just want to make not make people feel good because I believe that you can rock people's soul to sleep and send them straight to hell by making them feel good. There's some stuff and truth is one of these things that don't necessarily feel good, but you can do it in a manner to where it will help them. Uh, you can smash people with the truth. Oh, definitely. But you should be able to lift somebody up with the truth, be able to love somebody with the truth, and not only be able to love them, be able to show them what the truth is and be right there with them getting your hands dirty. And people know, they can tell that when you're telling them the truth— and maybe it's, it's uncomfortable right now or they're angry with you in the moment, but when they look back, once they get a little bit further away from the situation, they come, they'll come back to the people they know that were telling them the truth and doing it kindly when they didn't have to, when they could have just let them go and do whatever they wanted. They're going to kind of come back to those kind of people. Right. You were talking about using the scripture as a weapon or, you know, taking it as a bullet and sending it out. Yeah. And it just brought a thought to my mind. If one of you were to come in with a gash on your arm or some sort of wound, because we know that whenever people are coming looking for Christ, there's obviously something in them that needs a healing. Mm-hmm. You right. know, they're having pain. There's an issue, just for a example. I wouldn't take something and kill you because you have a wound. Right. right. You would take something and you'd clean it first. Right. Then you bandage it yep. and show it love. You know, you spend the time first to make sure that everything that's not supposed to be in the wound is taken out. And then you take time making sure that it's healing correctly and covering it with something to protect it. And I think that's a way to view the scripture and a way to view a relationship with Christ. You know, it's not always just going to be feel good, like you were saying. Right. You have to get the stuff out that it's not supposed to be there. Otherwise, it's never going to heal over properly. Right. Yeah, you, you, when you, someone comes with that injury, you don't use your, in the case of doctors, they don't use their medical knowledge to make it worse. They use their medical knowledge to make it better. better. Right. And I think religion has become, you know, not a wound center, but someone who comes in, they put the 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 title up on the side of the wall that says, come in if you're broken, you know, and then when you get in there, 
you leave more broken than you came. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of a facade up front to say, look at how much better we are. It's like you get in there with a broken arm. It's like, you dummy. Why would you ride your bike like that? Why would you fall down the stairs? You know, it's like, I don't need help wondering why I did what I did wrong. I know, you know, I know why I shouldn't have been ice skating and break my arm. You know, I know that I shouldn't have done something that was stupid to break my arm. I need help fixing my arm. I remember one time I was cleaning uh, one of the big pizza knives. Yeah. And I was wiping it down and I my, some, somehow my hand moved and I sliced open my thumb. And your uncle's like, well, why'd you do that? And then your aunt's like, well, he didn't do it on purpose. He wasn't <laughs> trying to do that. Right. And that's one thing like Casey was saying, we need to be out there helping clean first mm-hmm. what needs to be clean, yes. get the impurities out of the wound, so to speak, then helping cover. Yes. Helping, giving some time, you know, to help someone get it right. You're not, a lot of times if you don't clean it properly the first time, you'll have to go and it won't heal over properly. You'll have to take antibiotics to get the infection out. You know, there's some steps that you have to take. And if you don't take them in the right, at the right time in the right place, you will be back revisiting that. And that's one thing that we're trying to do with this podcast is kind of take away some of those wrong steps that we made, you know. And here's the thing that I just kind of a disclaimer I want to throw out there. Whenever, whether it's us or someone else that you know that's at a church that's kind of trying to help you away from the bad situation, just know it's not, they're not telling you it's wrong because they think it's wrong. They're telling you it's wrong because of what the Bible says. Because I can guarantee you, I don't want to say I'll speak for you guys, but I'm going to say I'm going to speak for you guys. There are a lot of things in the Bible that... All of us would feel a lot better saying, well, if we could just ignore this or ignore that. It's like, well, that shouldn't be such a big deal. Let's just forget that. Right. We don't get that choice. No. We have to be examined by the Bible, too. And a lot of the times when we're saying, hey, you need to clean this up, it's because we had to clean it up, too. And we know that there was a bad outcome for us. And we're trying to, some, in some essence, guard you from that. You know, these are things that I fell on. And if I can keep you from doing that, you'll be further advanced than I am, you know, in the period of time. And then back to where we were talking about the whole judge not lest ye be judged. Yeah. The other point I made was when we are judging and we're not doing it the right way, the the biblical way to do it, you know, it says, you know, for which measure that you use to judge is a measure you'll be judged by. What we need to realize before we make any judgments is that the only thing we're measuring up to is the Word of God. So if we're getting on them for not living up to that and we're doing the exact same thing, we've had that problem where we're not seeing clearly because we didn't take the other out because we're held up to the same standard that they are. Right. I think kind of just to sum this whole thing up tonight, religion kills, relationship gives life. Relationship with Jesus Christ. I guess I shouldn't just loosely say relationship, but Jesus Christ is the one who has the ability to give life, and the Bible says life more abundantly and eternal life. And relationship, our religion will totally take you out of the will of God. And if you see or you're starting to realize some sort of a pattern of religion in your life, you have to repent. You have to Start over, and like Revelations, I believe, says, do your first works over. You yep, have to, to the churches. Yep, to one of the seven churches. You have to go back and restart where you're at because you've kind of taken what the Bible says and kind of fit it into what you think and what you like and have made it something that is gets to a point where it's so far skewed away from the actual Word of God that it couldn't help you out of a hole in the ground, you know? To where if you, you wouldn't be able to recognize that if you said, well, yeah, this is in this chapter, this verse. Then you go and you read that chapter and it's like, that is not that at all. Right. So I think I think just a word of hope and encouragement for someone who might have found themselves in religion, there's hope to get out. You know, all of us have been there at some point in time. Um, and you can you can get out of it. You can be free from it. And if you don't think you're in religion... You might be. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you're not not necessarily open to what the world has thoughts, you know, have an open mind about that. You don't want to be open-minded to some of the junk that goes on in the world. But 
if you can examine yourself in line with the word of God and find yourself, you know, in a good place, that's good. Help everybody around you. But if you're out of the the word of God, if you can examine yourself and you don't line up in some areas with the scripture and with what the Bible says, you got work to do. Yep. So, and all of us are there or we're yes. not going to exactly. be. Exactly. And remember, naive. none of the people that are trying to help you, they are talking to you, wrote any of the words there. Right. And they're not perfect either. No. And if Far you read this, it. read the accounts, I almost said story. Ooh. Oh, look at that. <laughs> I almost said story. Not wow. even Mark's perfect with his own rules. I will, I will t- be the very first one to say I am kidding. far from perfect. But you look at, and they're all imperfect. broken, imperfect individuals. But they were still used of God. And yeah. they, they put themselves in relationship with someone yeah. who was perfect. perfect and yeah. we all need to get there. And I say thank you guys for joining in with us. Thank you for speaking with us, all you three here. I've enjoyed my time here, and I would love to say I would love to say see you again next week, guys. Sounds like a plan to me. Yes. See ya. Yep. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Ready to Preach. We hope that something that has been said today will aid you in your journey, both in Christianity and in the pursuit of becoming ready to preach. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please reach out to us on our Facebook page, Redemption Church, and share us with your friends. If you have any questions for us or topics you would like for us to discuss, we can be reached through the Facebook's direct message or in the comments section of our posts about the podcast. We look forward to you tuning in next week.